Hey everybody, bienvenidos, bienvenu, benvenuti, willkommen. Welcome to another episode of the Red Card Report podcast. This is episode number 79. It's your boy Joe behind the microphone. And today we're talking Champions League. We're going to go through all of the matches that we think are the most important. Go through some of the groups a little bit more in depth than others. And we have your Twitter questions. And joining me, as always, is my good friend, Mayo Irmao, AC Milan King, Rui Pereira. Rui, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic, as always, Joe. Yesterday was San Martinho. <laughs> yes, it was. It was uh, the day of San Martinho, where it's you know in Portugal and also Italy, of course. Big, big feast. Big feast, chestnuts, wine, and apparently the uh, carbonara you know, at this, midnight. The traditional midnight carbonara for San Martino. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we Com- can blame him all we want. Yeah, uh, very <laughs> untraditional, right? I mean, I guess we started uh, yeah. that tradition. I think I think now, we might start a trend uh, for, for via the San Martino. Definitely. For next year, hundred percent. Hopefully, everyone else on Twitter that saw that complete act of unnecessary behavior, <laughs> um, maybe they'll start doing it next no, year. No, you know what? I didn't see one person shame us for doing that. No, everyone because... was applauding us for doing that, which is it just goes to show you the yeah. kind of crowd that we have. Because carbonara is for alpha it's, males. It's good. It's, it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It is. I it just want to. I want to call that out. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> no shame. No shame here. No, you there's eat, no shame. You eat dinner, you have wine, then you ha- you celebrate. You know, <laughs> with chestnuts and you have wine, and then you and get then you hungry. Pasta, then you get hungry afterwards. That's how it works. And right? then you whip up a pound and a half oh, of carbonara, Joe. Oh that God. is. I still can't believe we did that. Yeah. I, I'm. It was delicious. I gotta say, before we before we move on, I have to say that was the best carbonara that I've had recently. Yeah, that was definitely the best one that you've ever made. Because yeah. I'll have all of you know we've tried to do this multiple times, like make carbonara. Which you know, Rui's practicing. I'm practicing, like perfecting our technique for making carbonara yep. to get the perfect yep. carbonara. And that was the best one. Yeah, I out think of so. All the ones. I think so. That was the best one. I think all the consistency, all the flavor was intact, the way it was supposed to be. At least that's how I think. No, it, it would. It was somewhat perfect. taste like if you were to go to Rome. Yeah. I thought all the flavors were really, were really it on was point. All there, man. So it was on point. So carbonata skills are up. <laughs> Diaz San Martino is in the past. We start a new tradition. Hopefully, everyone else is going to follow our tradition with dinner, chestnuts, and carbonara at midnight, and obviously wine throughout the Gotta entire evening. So I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that for next year. Anyway, shall we talk Champions League? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to skip over Group A because surprise, surprise, Bayern Munich is in the lead. <laughs> Don't really need to talk about them all that much. Group B is where the interesting stuff is happening. So, Mochen Gladbach versus Shakhtar. Mochen Gladbach slapped Shakhtar 6 nothing. So, I think that tells you all you really need to know about that game. But let's move on to Real Madrid versus Inter. So, Real Madrid found the back of the net through Sergio Ramos he made it 2 nothing. I forget who scored the who's who scored the first goal. Karim Benzema. So he Karim Benzema opens the scoring up at 25 minutes. 
shortly followed by Sergio Ramos, who it now becomes one of the highest-scoring center backs in the game. Yep. I think he sco- has 100 goals for Real Madrid. Yeah, he scored a, his 100th goal with Real Madrid. And also, Fernando Hierro, former Real Madrid player, also was managed to, also managed to score 100, 100 goals. goals as a center back. So uh, there's something with center backs and scoring goals at Real Madrid okay. that other teams aren't able to, uh, to match, really. I guess. I mean, both of those are big names anyway. So... Yep, so Ramos scores shortly after Benzema, and then Inter reply through Lautaro Martinez. Move on to the second half. Ivan Perisic puts Inter tied, and then, out of nowhere, this Brazilian kid named Rodrigo gives Real Madrid the win. Rui, your thoughts on this game? I think this game could have been 6-5. to five. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, was, was, it was pretty open. I think this was a game where both sides... Obviously, scoring multiple goals, they capitalized on some of their opportunities, but also squandered a lot of their opportunities. It was a Absolutely. seesaw match, back and forth. It was really exciting. It 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 like came in blocks of dominance per team. It seemed like off the bat, obviously Real Madrid were getting their shots. They could have went up three nothing. Then Inter Milan, they they pulled one back going into halftime, and then out of halftime, they were. Guns blazing. It seemed like even after they tied the game two to two after Perisic's goal, Altaro Martinez had a brilliant opportunity to go up. I remember that three yep. to two. Yep. And the key moment here is Vinicius Junior. and Rodrigo being subbed on for Eden Hazard and Marco Asensio. Now these are two players that Asensio two years ago was like, okay, this is the future of Real Madrid. Absolutely. Eden Hazard when he arrived at Real Madrid. Last summer, this guy is, money. is expected to be a Ballon d'Or candidate. Yep, He always said that he wants to win the Ballon d'Or, and the only way he could do that is if he played in Spain, quote-unquote. He meant, he meant Real Madrid. <laughs> yep. So, both of those key players were subbed off for Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo, two young Brazilian superstars, the future of Real Madrid, yeah. they come on, and within minutes, they were able to connect on a goal across from Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, in the back. Beautiful uh, goal. Yep. Smacked Receives the ball it. second post and hits it near post, and that, w- that was all she wrote. Real Madrid were just, they were just able to capitalize on their opportunities, and that's what this game came down to. I think uh, the way the whole standings are right now in the group, this game was just absolutely huge for, for Real Madrid because they were in dead last and now they're able to uh now they're now they're tied with Shakhtar in second place and Mönchengladbach defeating uh Shakhtar, absolutely battering them yep. six to nothing, really gives them that goal gives them that gives that, them that goal differential. Gives yeah. them the help because it tightens the group a little bit because if if Shakhtar won that game, they would have had seven points. You know what right. I mean? So right. it would have been a little bit of an uphill battle for Real Madrid and also uh, for Inter Milan. So it's not all all set in stone for Inter. They do need to win in the next match against Real Madrid. Yep. So they're only two points from first place, and they're, uh, they're three points from first place and two points from second. So it, there's still a lot, of pl- a lot to a play lot here stuff. because the next match is basically a, re- a rematch of what we just saw in match day Pretty three. Much. So. If everything repeats again, 
it's more likely than not that Munch and Gladbach and Real Madrid are going to go through. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to say this real quick, real go quickly. Munch and Gladbach, what I know it's against Shakhtar, but Shakhtar were giving problems to Inter. They were giving problems to Real Madrid. Um, You know, they're always one of those. They, they are that team, though. They yeah. are the team that will cause you problems. And this was a statement win because Shakhtar were the team that were, were giving problems to Inter and Real Madrid. And the way that they just manhandled them yeah. was a statement win because, believe it or not, Mönchengladbach should have nine points. They, lost, they should. They lost the lead to Real Madrid. They lost the lead to... Um, to Inter Milan all in the last minutes of the game, the last five to ten minutes of the game. Yep. And very true. It were it was all mental lapses and it you know, the lack of experience in the Champions League really showed. And they came out, they needed this win, they knew that, and they have to go out again same against Shakhtar thing. and do the same thing if they really want to have a, a chance in going into the next round because the last two matches of the group stage for them is Inter and Real Madrid, and those two teams are going to be more determined than ever because by the time it's match day five and match day six, Inter and Real Madrid know that they have to be at their best if they want to oh, yeah. go through. So Definitely. this is going to be a real exciting group. There's still a lot to be played here. That Real Madrid and Inter game, the second leg, is going to be massive. Let me ask you this, Rui. Do you... what? Since so much, I feel like, hinges on that next match between Real Madrid and Inter, do you think that we'll see more of the same, or do you expect something different from either team? You know, I, I think both teams are are up and down this year, even in the league, Inter uh, yeah. squandering points, even though at times they're playing brilliant football, and when they are both playing them, brilliant yeah. football, they're not really getting the goals that they really need. And then there's times where they're just absolutely... Trash. Yeah, trash. <laughs> and even the games that they're winning, they have to just grind them out. They're not it, it seems not like pretty. they're in a funk right now and they're 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 trying really hard to get out of it. And we can see that the that the potential is there because we see some of the key players playing really well, but the players around them aren't. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought Nicolo Barella is a great example. I thought he had a fantastic game against Real Madrid. He did. And yeah. I, I think him being subbed out was a real, a real mistake. And I think we're seeing this not just in the Champions League with Inter. We're seeing it in Serie A. So um, it's, it's kind of just like that lack of consistency all around sure with with enter so um if they're able to just get out of this funk and i think they will it's going to be it, it's going to be quite scary for real madrid and yeah. shakhtar and mönchengladbach yeah, so you're absolutely right this is going to be a, a, a group that i'm really looking forward to i think that this is the most sing. exciting group yep. i think definitely and i gotta say mönchengladbach has looked the sharpest side aside from like bayern munich that yeah. I've seen so far in the competition. I'm not going to give Liverpool any credit here. No. Okay. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But let's move on to Group C. Let's just talk about your boys real quick. Porto smacking Marseille 3 nothing. I know a certain uh, person that we've had on this podcast before who would be happy about that. Um, and Man City beating Olympiacos 3 nothing. Anything to say about, yep. about Porto? Uh, great response 
for the last two games from Porto. You know, they got battered in the first game against yeah. Man City, as expected. But uh, they, they picked up the two crucial victories. Uh, first match against Olympiacos 2-0, and then this one against Marseille against Andre Villas-Boas, yeah. the coach that took us all the way to the 2011 Europa League final where we won against Braga 1-0. A really great manager. He's done a great job at Marseille, especially last year, given the whole circumstance right. over there. So this there was a lot. That. There was a lot of history behind, or a lot of uh, meaning and significance yeah. going into this match. To say that that Porto and Marseille are like some sort of rivalry, but no. um, there is. Um, I mean, it's something. It's a, it's different when when you have a coach that previously coached your team, yep. like on Andres Villas Bolish. He he was. He was Porto for so long, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, it, it means something different. Like you said, not exactly a rivalry, but there there's a connection there. Yeah. So it, it, this is a great, great response from, from really getting uh, battered in the first game. And also just not playing as consistently or as well in the league as well. You know, Porto are yeah, not doing well. That. They're not doing They're not <laughs> doing too great. They're not doing too great in the league, but... I'm really happy the way things are going now. Now this match coming up again against Marseille is going to be huge. Three points is going to be crucial. Oh, definitely. Um, but let me let's go back just a second. I want to ask you this question really quick. It, it's it's kind of pertinent to this. Would you say that it matters more for like FC Porto to to kind of figure out their their stuff? I'll I'll call it their stuff the second half of the year because you said they're not really playing all that well right now in the league at least right now mm -hmm. and it's still the first half of the season you know we're we're approaching you know the winter the winter break and whatever you want to call it and uh, do you think that it matters more what they do the second half of the season oh yeah of course it, it usually comes down to the second half of the season and in Liga Nosh yeah Champions you know, League's a different story last year in the second half of the season, Porto were absolutely flawless. Uh, two years ago, when Benfica won, Benfica were flawless, flawless in the second half of the season. They didn't lose a single game. Uh, two years, uh, three years ago, Porto were really good in the second half of the season, and it seemed like the team that finished in second the last three seasons just really f just stopped, made it competitive until the end, and then kind of just died out. And the team that won the league was playing incredible football and getting the the key results. So um, I'm not going to be too worried yet, but Porto really needs to start picking up because they dropped quite a few points early on already. So they okay. need to get back on their high horse and stabilize and get some sort of consistency going. And get then some results. in the second half, if they want to be champions again, they're going to have to, I, I believe that they're going to have to continue to play uh, flawless football. Yeah, I think it might go without saying, but any any team doesn't want to create a mountain for themselves early in the season. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because then it just makes it that much harder the second half to, to right. make that climb. So we'll see where they end up, but good good for them getting those three points. Moving on, let's talk about Group D. We'll do this. Okay. Uh, Atalanta versus Liverpool. Two very gun-ho sides. And one was certainly more gun-ho than the other. Liverpool battering Atalanta five to nothing. Gasperini humiliato, definitely. Rui, let's talk about this. 
this game in particular, Diogo Jota with a hat trick. What does this mean for Liverpool? What did, what what is this game? Tell me about this game. They're just playing their their, their way? top flight football. You know, yeah. the way that they just manhandled Atalanta. Atalanta was obviously a, a <sighs> they a they were bound to let in goals. They, they were, were going to let in They goals. were going to let in goals, but Atalanta, we know them at their best. They play great football. They break down almost any sort of defense, any sort of formation, any sort of team. They are just, when they're at their best, they're just so flawless. They're able to move the ball around, create opportunities, and get those goal-scoring opportunities and capitalize on them. But as of lately, we haven't been seeing that. And I think uh, Barcelona, (laughs) I think Atalanta are, Barcelona too, I think we're starting to see their true their true colors now and i think everything is starting to grow stale with them they're not they're they're just too predictable now they seem slower it seems like teams are able to read what they're what they're trying to do and i think josep ilicic is just gassed i think he's gassed i think he's i think he's really declined a lot ever since his i guess mental breakdown where he was missing so many games in the in the last half of the season or the, yep. you know, since the his football returns. We'll yep. So, uh, and he was a key figure and it seemed at times that Atalanta were doing well without him, but now everything, it seems it's like Atalanta there. really needs that Josip Ilicic from last year, the prime Josip Ilicic to kind of bail them out and get some sort of, uh, get some sort of uh, jolt or, or re- rejuvenation from a player like that. And they're not really getting it. And the whole team, the whole team, Gasparini, the, yeah. the tactics, the approach, his strategy, everything is just too predictable. And the teams, it seems like teams are one step ahead of them. They already know what they're trying to do. And they're doing a great job maintaining Papu Gomez. You know, he is the leader. He's the floor He's general. He's the leader. You can't or keep the pitch general, if to, you will. He can't keep pulling stuff out of his ass, you know what I mean? No, man. Once you contain a player like that and you don't have that it's Yasef Ilicic player... It's, uh, it doesn't matter if you have a good striker like Zapata up front. Yep. It won't matter. Yeah, it does. And, and that's the result that you're going to get. And that's what happened. And so you're saying that's what happened here. That's what happened. And, and Diogo Jota, incredible, incredible performance. Great. What, what an impact he's had on Liverpool already early on in the season. And, of course, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, they both had to get a goal and an assist. So right. world-class players. And that attacking trio up top, is one of the best in the world, without a doubt. Yeah. So wait, let's talk about Diogo Jota for for a minute, okay? I liked I liked the guy when he was at at Wolves, okay. Mm-hmm. He was a, a good a good striker, like nothing wrong with the guy. Then he moves to Liverpool and he's and he's already doing shit like this. Yep. Do you think that he has usurped Firmino? in that starting lineup. Do you I, think that he's replaced him? I, I think so. And the reason why I think I think for me Firmino as a player is better because the the game that he brings is so unique for the modern day striker. He is basically a defensive striker. He's the one that's constantly pressing the defense you know, a lot of a lot of goals and a lot of goal scoring opportunities that Liverpool have had is from winning the ball in the first half of the other team's pitch through Firmino and it's through Firmino's pressing 
and he does really well at even intercepting passes, occupying and putting pressure um, and occupying the space of the other team's number six. And that's really crucial. And that's where he becomes very effective. But the problem with Firmino over the last year or so is that he hasn't been able to find the back of the net. He hasn't been clinical. Mm-hmm. And when when you are a number nine, regardless if you have Mane or Salah on your team, who are capable of scoring goals almost every week, but when they're not doing it, someone needs, someone to, needs, to, someone do needs to do it. <laughs> and he hasn't been doing it. Now, in 2020... Dugu Jota already has more goals for Liverpool than Firmino. That's and crazy. We remember, we remember in the Atletico game, in the second leg of the quarterfinals or whatever it was when they played yep. in the Champions yep. League, Firmino finally scored that goal at home where he hadn't scored for like four or five months. So he's been on a real cold streak in terms of finding the back of the net. And I think Jota can fulfill somewhat that same role that Firmino has had in terms of pressing the opposite side, the defense occupying the space around the number six of the opposing side because he played at Wolverhampton and he had a similar role when he was playing on the wing. There was a lot of pressing. Nuno Espiritu Santo really relies on the counterattack and also uh, high pressing. So that's something that he is familiar with. Maybe he won't be as effective on the defensive side, but right now he he is finding the back of the net and he's putting he's getting himself in the right position and all three of the goals that he had really quality 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 number nine goals and Liverpool need that so do you let me let me kind of continue on with this a little bit more do you think that he could be like Firmino do you think that he's capable of doing the same that like the pressing all those things, because that was that's his shtick. You're yeah, right. I I think he's gonna have, and he is, and he has. When he's playing as a number nine, he has been pressing a lot. He's not doing it as effectively as Firmino, but he does he's it well goals. because no one else can do what Firmino. No one else in the world can do what Firmino does in terms of pressing on the defensive aspect. But he does an adequate job at pressing. But he's finding the back of the net, and this is what Liverpool, I think. I think that's what cost them the Champions League last year because in the first match, Firmino was nowhere to be found, and that's the that's the match that cost Liverpool from going through to the next round when they lost one nothing. They didn't have that guy to bail out Salah and Mane uh, when they needed to, and a guy like Jota can 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 bury the golden opportunity away, and he's shown he's shown so far this year that he's able to do it. And I mean, so yeah, I do think he's gonna eventually uh, he's be, gonna the be the start, guy. the one hundred percent starter. He's gonna be the starter. I mean, and not to mention, he's also very young. Firmino is also he's getting up there. He's not. I'm I wouldn't not, say he's old. Yeah, you know, he's but he's getting he's up. Getting he's up there. about thirty. He's, he's almost thirty. If he's not thirty, he's, he's twenty nine. Yep, he's twenty nine. So and that's another <laughs> thing. Also, he's been on the team for a number of years now. It's good to refresh. You know, recycle players and put fresh faces. You get know, that get that new forward line going. That's get, it. Get a new mechanic in there. You know what I mean. So that hey, that might be what they're doing. So watch out for Diogo Jota because like quality, quality striker. Like the guy. Anyway, let's move on to Group H. This was an interesting match. I I gotta say I I liked this match a lot, and it wasn't even just because PSG lost, and I kind of gave it away. But this is. Leipzig versus PSG, two to one. 
Rui, give us this game. This was this was a good one. I, I like think, this one. You know, I think this was one of the best. What. One of the best performances. Very RB, interesting. Yeah, RB Leipzig um, has had against a really powerhouse team. Obviously, PSG went all the way to the final and almost won. Almost won. Um, yeah, I mean, what a great response too from from getting clobbered five nothing to Manchester United, and they go out and actually play a really really good really game good against game. PSG. I think PSG in the beginning of the match was doing well. Obviously, they scored. They had that perfect start with with um, Di Maria. That was also just that was a bad defensive error on on Leipzig's part. Yeah, I, I think so. But I think it was also a little bit of you know, per, I guess you could say perfect execution as sure. well. Um, you force your opponent to make a mistake. Exactly, and. Shortly after, Moise Kian, who's actually been really well, He's been really playing good, really well for PSG, wins a PK. Miss you, Moise. <laughs> wins a PK for PSG, and Di Maria just squanders that opportunity. Yep. And they could have went up to nothing, and it just seemed like that was like the tipping of the iceberg, where RB Leipzig just flipped the switch. They come back hot, and they were playing really well really well you know they're a team that usually relies more on defensive football kind of sitting back a bit and then just the using yep using the counter attack this game wasn't so much that obviously they were finding their way no. using the counter attack but they were they were possessing very very well if you look at the possession stats 49 to 51 pretty close that is really really tight and that's on that's really unheard of for IB Leipzig when they're playing against a top-notch team, usually like against that, yeah. when they play against Bayern Munich or Dortmund, it's usually one-sided. It's usually yeah. one-sided in terms of possession. Yeah, sure. But in this game, they seemed really uh, they they looked a lot different, and they were getting their shots in too. They were getting their shots in, and Christopher Nkunku, former PSG player who yeah, spent <laughs> nine years there at the club, I think five of them at the youth academy. Uh, was sold last year to RB Leipzig. He comes in and scores the nice game tying goal, goal. and nice it, goal. it's it's former players scoring against uh, PSG in the Champions League, as we saw in the Champions League final last year. Uh, <laughs> Kingsley Coleman. Yep. Kingsley Coleman scores the winner. Former PSG player and yeah. dude. These former players are biting it ha- them. It happens. They're yep. biting them. So, um, Emil, for, uh, you know, the game gets finished off with the winner from the penalty spot. Emil Forsberg shows Di Maria how it's done in giving them the win. So, <laughs> it's true. It was, you know, this was a great performance. I did not expect this at all from from Leipzig. Me either. I thought either. the way that they got manhandled by Manchester United, I thought PSG were going to go in there and just really just take advantage and get the three points. But now uh, Manchester United are sitting at the top with six points as well. Leipzig in second with six points, PSG in third with three and Istanbul Basakashir. I believe that's how it's Dennis. You're going to have Dennis, to correct you're me. Definitely going to have to correct us. On um, that one. Also sitting uh, with three points in fourth place. So this is almost anyone's group right now. And the next match is going to be huge for all teams. Yeah. That it's it's cool the way that that group breaks down. But let's talk a little, just a little bit more about Leipzig. So, do you think that they really miss Timo, Timo Werner? I I think so. You think I so? think in in the Bundesliga they're they're missing that that clinical striker. And when you're going up against the best, 
teams, you need your clinical strikers, and I think that's the reason why that they weren't even to, they weren't able to go even further into the into the Champions League um, last year, or even potentially go into the final because if Timo Werner didn't just stop playing for Leipzig, I think there could have been a better chance of them going into the into the final and potentially be an all German final. So <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have right. been. It could have been, uh, and Timo was wasn't there. I, I think he could have made a difference. Yeah, especially in a game like this, you think that he would have. You think that this would have been a. I don't want to say a higher scoring game, but do you think that the way that Leipzig were playing, they would have racked up more goals against PSG? I think if so. He was, if he was on the field, I think so. I think um, I think Leipzig took advantage of the opportunities that were given to them. I mean, they did score two goals i know one was from the spot but that's what possibly would have been i think it would have been i think maybe he could have made a difference but who who knows the game was pretty tightly contested and i think leipzig without timo werner uh played just as well even if they even if timo werner was there i think uh i I don't i don't see i didn't see leipzig really missing clear-cut opportunities that timo werner would have gotten himself into would have gotten sure. himself in those positions and actually scored. So I I, I don't I didn't see much of a, a difference if Timo Werner um, was on the pitch. I think it was just I think Leipzig were just playing great football and that happens even if you don't have your your star player. That's true. All right, that is the Champions League roundup. Now let's get into your Twitter questions. All right, first one, Mark Galliani. Just haven't heard from Mark in a minute. At AC Marek, he asks, when will you have Mark Galliani, me, on the podcast? That is a very good question, Mark. Um, when, 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 should we, when should we have him on the podcast, Rui? <laughs> I don't know. I'm should to... we? Should we even consider the idea? Yeah, of course. It's one, one of the best accounts on t- football <laughs> Twitter. Not just me on Twitter, football no, Twitter. No, d- um, I don't know. I was we thinking arrange maybe it. something we got to throw. Something has to happen Dutch related. Yes. You know? That would be, yeah, that would Milan be Milan stuff will always be there. If we're doing great, we're going to be talking about <laughs> we'll it. We'll be talking about it, yeah. If we start sucking again, <laughs> we're still going to talk about it. We're still going to talk about um, it. But I feel like we got to add some sort of Dutch twist to the show. Okay. Something Dutch has to happen. So, um, I guess that's like, that's Rui's way of saying our new, people will call your people, Mark. Yeah, no, we'll have you on, we'll Mark. Definitely, have definitely, you on. definitely have you on. Doesn't have to be about Dutch stuff, but Th- that would be not, that would just that would be a bonus. It would be. Honesty. It would be. Maybe the new line of Dutch loggers coming out. <laughs> oh yeah. So next question, our good friend Dennis. At Den Piero ninety five, he asks. So apparently, Rui wants me to become a Milan fan, but why? Is it because I'm so passionate, or he is looking for a friend to drink with to forget when his club will drop to fifth or sixth place? <laughs> Love you, Den. No, I, that's apparently Dennis wants to be a Milan fan. No, I don't really think he, he does. came out and made a bet. I didn't push him to it. He's the one that just made the bet. Oh, if Hakan Chalanoglu gets a hat trick, then I will join you, Rui. So it's like he wants it. He wants to make it like impossible to happen, but there's some sort of hope that he can turn. <laughs> there is some sort of hope. There is a chance of him 
becoming a Milanese. And I think he did that on purpose because I think he wants a new change in scenery. I think he saw, I think Dennis knew that Juventus changing the- Juventus were going to be put in the mud. <laughs> and the wind is changing direction. Yes. Right now. And I think Milan, I think he's seen, I think he's predicted this, <laughs> that Milan are rising to the top. And what he, he knows he cannot live being in fifth or sixth place. So, you know what, Dennis? I, you know, very soon, man, Hakan will get that hat <laughs> trick and you're going to be a Milanista through and through. And, you know, we'll, we'll, have a dr- we'll have a drink to celebrate Milan's win. What, what if he just likes to live dangerously and he's a, he's a betting man? It's a very bad bet. <laughs> what? That Chaladoglu is going to score a hat trick? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's a good bet. I think, I mean, in the beginning of the season, I thought it was more probable than now, but... I wouldn't make a bet so I can for that to happen, and then I'll become a whatever. I'll become right. a Milan fan, like if I wasn't, you know, if yeah, I was if a Juventino. No, I think I think he did that because he wants it to happen, but he would make the bet. It's a mind game with Dennis. He would make the bet because it's more likely than not to happen, but he wants it to happen. Anyway, so he has a he has a part two to this question. I think it, we can both answer this. While many people point out that Ibra has been doing pretty well, and that would be you, Rui, would you renew a 35-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo's contract? So right now he earns $30 million. Would yeah. you renew that? Yeah. I, I sure as shit would. Performance. He's done his job. Commercializing. The man is a walking, talking industry. He is. I would renew his contract. Yeah. The man, it's... The organization has failed the man in more ways than one. Yeah, I, I think so that. too. But I think he's he's putting Juventus more on the map because you have all the CR7 nerds following yeah. your club now. So yeah. both good and bad. Both good and bad, of course. But yeah, the answer yes, is yes. You should. The yes. answer is yes. The man has done his job and he's going to keep doing his job. Yeah, what 67 goals already or 70 goals already for for Juventus yeah. in yep. 3 years. Come on, man. He's a, Not he's, even three years. He's like edging closer and closer to like, like even Paulo Dybala. He's You'll... he's gonna overcome Paulo Dybala soon. Yeah. In our all-time goal, he will get a hundred goals with Juventus. I I wouldn't doubt it. Then that that would be pretty sick. So yes, renew. Moving on to our next question, our good friend George at Jrod two five eight nine. He asks. Do you think Portugal or Portugal's coefficients might catch up to the French coefficients knowing just how terrible the French teams have been in the Champions League this season? Uh no, it's not going to happen. Uh I think it would take uh, it would gonna, take a lot more. It's going to take a lot more uh for that to change because the the Russian league the Russian league was had the sixth highest coefficient in Europe for God knows the longest time. And they, they've been really bad the last three or four yeah, seasons. They have not been and it was only until this year where the Portuguese league eclipsed them. So it takes time for this to happen. So it's not like one bad year or two bad years of league on doing bad in the champions league where it's going to affect their, their coefficient. Sure, it'll go down a little bit, but for Portugal to make up, Benfica needs to stop choking in Europe. Porto needs to continue to do, you know, hold, carry yeah. the torch for Portugal, and and you know, Sporting and Braga and all these other teams need to keep going further and further into the Europa League. Right. So, 
so no, I I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think with PSG going all the way to the Champions that's League what final, I, was I think just that's about only. To say. Yep. Only helped them. Lyon went all the way to the semifinal. the semifinal. That could only help them. So um, I think they've gained ground against Portugal since last year. Then they will potentially lose this year. So yeah. it takes um, more than just a, a couple of yeah, losses. It, it takes a long, really long time to to bring that coefficient down. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, the Portuguese league was better than the Russian league, and yeah. Russia oh, was 100%. the Russian league was still ahead. And they of, had more teams. Yeah, yeah. So moving on. Huh. Milan obsession. Got to have our Milan obsession question. It's not a podcast without without one. Milan obsession. Really isn't. It always really isn't good anymore. Always, always good questions too. Which is the biggest indicator that Juventus have already given up on winning the Champions League? <laughs> is it A, Pirlo as the coach? B, Morata as their top scorer? C, those hideous third kits. We can we can both agree on that one, Milan. Uh, D, the fact that history doesn't lie, and E, all of the above. Also, why does Joe put cheese on seafood? That is a bold-faced lie. No, it's not. It's no, that 100%. Is, no, and she she already knows. So I, I don't know how she got this information, but it is Joe. Because you, you're a You're liar. a gastronomic terrorist with pineapple pizza, pineapple pasta, Cereal after dinner and now cheese on seafood. This is embarrassing. My never. No, nope. so, but Joe, let's let you know not to get into this gastronomy debate here. Uh, uh, you know, there's no need for you to defend something. You know, you can't defend yourself. You're defenseless now. Answer the question. Okay, so the honest answer is I think it's A. I think Pirlo it's, as the coach. I think it's E. I, I mean, because it, it, it could be. Pirlo as your coach, I mean, you just said it. It's B, Murata as your top scorer, that is bad. That's going to change soon. Hideous kits, that's true. No one with a hideous kit can win the Champions League. <laughs> D, no, are you kidding? The Liverpool. fact that history doesn't lie, that is true. That is true. History doesn't lie. And then E, all the above. It has to be E, all of the above, Joe. I think. I think the biggest indicator out of all of those options which is technically the question, is A, Pirlo, a novice coach, never coached a professional team in his life, literally just got his license, taking the head of one of the biggest clubs in Italy. But you also have to factor in the other Who really want to win the Champions League. They gave up. But I can tell you someone who hasn't, and that's Ronaldo. He still wants to go for it. And they're still gonna try. It it just doesn't it doesn't look like they're putting all their effort into it. Listen, so. I, I totally agree with you, but you also cannot win the Champions League with Murata as your highest scorer. Like I said, you that's gonna change. Win with ugly jerseys because no team has won the Champions League with ugly jerseys. Can't think of one. Liverpool. No, nah, those are pretty nice. No, they usually have pretty nice jerseys. That whole team is ugly. Yeah. Okay. But, and then the fact that history doesn't lie. History like what, just doesn't like what? lie. Because we've lost finals? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. All right, big deal. Got to get there. Got to get there to have a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sick of this. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Thank you for your question, Milan Obsession. Moving on. Sassuolo fan Jake at Jake Vinci Guerra. He's, he asks, who has the best kits this season? And I'm guessing he means club teams. 
Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think, Joe? Uh, I, not ours, that's for sure. You don't have to tell me twice. Not this season. Those things are disgusting. The, the away kit is... Pr- I like the away kit, the blue one. That one's pretty good. The dark navy blue one. Yep. That one's good. The third one. The, the third one's just absolute trash. Like Halloween candy melted together garbage. Like a candy it's corn awful. jersey. Yeah, I hate it. I don't I don't know how people like it. Um but the uh, aside from aside, I'm trying to think who has nice jerseys. It's it's Porto. I I listen, do, I do not yes. no, I do not I mean to sound biased. You don't. But I even I even said three, it. All they look three. Nice. All three of their kits this year are they amazing. Do look nice. The home jersey is probably the best one that we've had in years. Years. I remember saying that I didn't like the yellow letters initially, but then you wore it one day, and yeah. I was like, that actually no, looks really nice. I felt the same way. I thought the entire jersey was like nice. And then when I first saw the yellow lettering, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. But then when I made that as a tweet, everybody was commenting. It's like, yo, this is a nice jersey, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was just like, yeah, I, I think I kind of like it now. And then I ended up ordering the jersey, and I see it in person, and I'm wearing it. I'm like, wow, this looks really nice. Right. So the home jersey's on point. They're navy blue, like dark blue. Here, Joe, I got Oh, kind of kind of like Juve's dark blue? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, that's very similar. That's It's sharp. Super it's simple, a nice look. Like, and it's got a little bit of that yellow trim on the sleeves. And I like that. It. It's really slick. nice, and then the white third kit is just—you can't go wrong with an uh, a white third. The white—that's a nice. I like that. Like, that's a nice one. It looks nice. Yeah, and we can't forget if you've seen them, Rui. I'm not sure you have Boca's kit this year or River Plate's. Oh yeah, for Both 2020, those are, uh, those are always that's in right. my top ten, like all time kits. Yeah, I think I think those look good. They do look good this yeah, year. Yeah, I feel like every year both. Boca and River always have nice kits. Yeah. Because they, they keep that same style. Mm-hmm. The whole red stripe from... From shoulder to, to yep. waist. Yep, from yep. shoulder Diagonally. across, diagonal. Yep. And then Boca always has that strip of yeah, that yellow. yellow. Or gold, as they, or gold, they would call right. it. So they always have nice kits. Sometimes River Plate messes up on their away kit. Like yeah. that purple garbage that yeah, they that wore was, last mm, year nah, with like Barney. Like no. Yep. No. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Not about those. But their home kits, some I, of the best. I gotta say some of the best w- in the world. One more kit. Puma. Just any lots of Puma kits. Puma killed it this year, I think. Like they killed it with yeah. all the Italy jerseys. Milan. He, Milan's, Milan's jerseys. Home kit. They look Milan's home kit looks nice. It, it's a classic look. Yeah, have a, that has it's that classic, design but it also in it. Has, it has that a like little, modern, a subtle, feature. F- subtle features to it that yep. look nice. So yeah, hats off to you, Puma. I think Puma has really killed the jersey game this year. So thank you for your question, Jake. Now let's move on to to Sven. Okay, at Juventus FC, he asks, "What is the meaning of life?" Answer has to include pineapple and pizza. You're a terrorist, Sven. Um, you first, Rui. I like regular Neapolitan, just pizza and pineapple, right? So I like... You um, need to have... What's the meaning of life, though? Okay, the meaning of life, and the answer has to include pineapple and pizza. So my meaning of life is sitting on a beach, okay, eating a nice margarita, margarita, Neapolitan-style brick oven, 950 degrees Fahrenheit. 
pizza okay. on a beach. It's very specific. And drinking a coconut pineapple, pineapple drink out of vodka a pineapple. out of a pineapple. I know for you, you want the pizza in the pineapple, but it's for me. That's that's how I envision it. And if it's pineapple and pizza, that's it. So Sven, that's my answer. And Joe, we already know your deep dish pineapple pizza will go on to the next question. Of what? No, I didn't even. I what? I don't get an opportunity to answer this. Everybody already knows. So let's go pick up the pace. All right. I guess you won't ask me for my answers, Sven, since I'm being rushed moderating this podcast. Can't even do it. As Aziz, at Aziz Zwagi, he asks, since Morata is shining and we know that Ronaldo's place is 100% guaranteed, how where do you think Dybala can have a place in this starting 11? I want, I'm interested on your take, Rui. I say go with Dybala as your number 10 and line up Ronaldo and Murata ahead of him. Dybala like needs to be on the pitch. I he don't care. To, it, yeah, whether or not he's if having a good... you take Dybala off the pitch because of Murata, I'm sorry. That is just... That is bad, but you know what? It won't, it won't surprise me. He really does need some Pierlo confidence. What is doing. So, um, that's what I would do. I mean, that is that is also what I would do. He needs to play behind Murata somehow. And on top of that, Chiesa and Bernadeschi... Kulusevsky. And Kulis- I like Kulusevsky a lot, but... Um, he can play on the wing. Just ditch the wings. Play more centralized football. That's it. That's how Milan won the Champions League. So, more centralized football. No wingers. So, just play more centralized. You have decent midfielders. Put Dybala ahead of your, your three midfielders. And then put Dybala behind Murata and Ronaldo. See, Joe, I'd be making a lot of money if I was running your club. I'd be making <laughs> sure. some serious... Be, we'd have to see if that would work. But it wouldn't happen. It, it w- I don't think it would happen, and I, I'm not 100% sure that would work, but Dybala is just too talented to 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 leave him on the bench. It's just, right. I think that he's just, he's in a real, real rough patch right now. It's not looking good. Yep. So he he needs he needs some confidence. He needs to start some games and Morata can't start every single game. That's just a reality. You got to give Dybala some, some starting time. So I don't know how he, how exactly he'd fit into that lineup, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. We'll see what, uh, what Pilo can cook up. Anyway, let's move on. Dieter van. How do you say this, Rui? Dieter, Dieter Dieter van Goot. Dieter van Goot. Um, he good asks, friend of the podcast. Yeah, good friend, friend of the podcast. He always asks good questions when he does. Yeah. So. At Dieter Goot, he asks, how long can Zlatan perform at the top level? He also asks, which team will win the Europa League and the Champions League? And is the squad of AC Milan strong enough to perform in Serie A and the Europa League and the Coppa Italia? So let's let's break this down. How long can he perform at the top level? He's what, 39? Yeah. I mean, dude, it's. I would, I mean, if you were to ask me four years ago when he went to Manchester United, how long is this guy going to last for? I would have thought that he would have retired at the club or maybe went to MLS yeah, for when one he went year. To the MLS. And then, like, that was it. Yeah, that's what I thought. This guy comes roaring back to AC Milan and is playing vintage. Very, very well. Vintage Ibrahimovic football. Um, He's doing really well. He's got more goals than games this year. 
he's on pace. He's almost what, he almost has twenty goals for for Milan already since joining in January. So he's been he's been absolutely killing it better than any other striker that we've had. Yeah. Since he left. Yep. Um. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe another year or two he's going to be playing at a time. I don't know. Italy's one of the Italy's a very weird country for that though because we've had a lot of old players yep. have renaissance moments yep. like reinvent themselves yep. and like look at Quagliarella for yep. Christ's sake was Di Natale super old too Di Natale yep. was up there too he was Luca I Toni think, like too. 37 uh Luca Toni oh, was, he? was, he was in pretty... his late 30s as well yeah um and top scorer yeah all of those guys were top scorers yeah, I think he's going to be really good this year. Um, so it can happen. I bet but you next year, who knows? I'll tough. never write out or write off. I'm sorry, um, Ibrahimovic, because you throw a challenge at that guy, he's just going to accomplish, it. or he's going to do his absolute maximum to achieve it. If he doesn't, you know that he did his absolute best. Um, I'll give him another year. Yeah, year minimum. Okay, maybe two, maybe two, but it gets tough. Yeah, I agree. That's really tough. Um. EL and CL. I think Tottenham can win the Europa League. That's if they don't play against Milan. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a no, good. That's I, a good I one. think I think Tottenham are pick. up there. And, and sometimes with the, with the Europa League, you have to wait and see who's coming from the Champions League, finishing yep. in third place. Because we'll know after. We'll have a better idea after. When that. you think about it, it could be Inter. It could, could be. be Real Madrid. Who, it could uh, be Mönchengladbach. That group alone that group can dish would out have a lot of contenders. Exactly. So you kind of have to wait. But if I was to choose a team right now, that's in the tournament Ar- right that's now. Already in it. Tottenham. I think Milan can go. Maybe I'm being a little biased, so sure, but I think Tottenham is probably the favorite the way that they've been playing. I, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, Champions League, I said Bayern Munich. Yeah, Bayern. They just look. The, they look the best. Yeah, I, 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 for me, the top three are in this order. It's going to be Bayern, Liverpool, and I think Atletico is going to be that semi dark horse. A dark horse. That's yeah. a good pick. PSG haven't. Reference back to the last yeah. game, PSG haven't been. Yeah, I just have no confidence in PSG or Manchester City anymore. Nope. So uh, even even with, like, how could we forget Manchester City? Yeah, like they're still a contender, but I don't think that they're. Yeah. I don't think that they'll get there. So yeah, and uh, is the squad strong enough to perform on all fronts this season? Um, I think that's tough. That's tough to answer tough. for it's any. A lot of games. Um, it think, is a lot of games. I think the most important. This is a this is a different. You got to stay healthy. That's more key than anything this year. This is a a weird question for Milanisti to answer. Obviously, I want I want to say yes to everything, but I think Milan are really focusing on top four. I think that's the goal. Staying and if it's not top there. four, then win the Europa win League. The, really? Yeah. You, it has to be. You you have to make Champions League this year. You. You have you have Ibrahimovic on your team. True. You have all this potential. We're playing good football. We have a great start so far. If anything bad happens in the league where we're dropping points left and right, then we have to shift the focus into the Europa League and try to win that because Champions League is a must. If you win the Europa League, doesn't matter what position you finish in your league, you will qualify to the Champions League. So that's Champions League is number one. So I say top four and then um, Europa League. Coppa Italia, I could care less about. Okay. Then so good I, answer. I, I think they I, I you think, think they can. 
I think it, they'll go far in terms of they will finish in top they'll f- four. They'll focus on they'll yep. focus on the league more than anything. Yep. So and that's that's fair. Anyway, let's go on to our last question, and it's from our good friend Arjan at Spicy Turtle Twenty One. He asks, "Where do you guys love to travel? Any specific destinations? Oof. You first, Rui. Oh, where man. do you like to travel?" I've done most, of, and I've traveled quite a bit. Um, I've done most of my traveling in the U.S. Um, man, best places. Is, I mean, I would say definitely Yellowstone National Park, the Grand yeah. Tetons, that area. Uh, if you like cities, I really recommend Montreal and Montreal Chicago. Is awesome. Yep. Chicago is my favorite city in the U.S. Uh, Vancouver as well is one of my favorite cities. Um, but it, it all depends what you like. If you like more nature. Definitely out west, you know, you have like the Grand Canyon, you have the deserts, you have all those national parks over there. But if you like cities, I I, I love Chicago. I think it's a, a beautiful city, great architecture, great food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the whole nine yards. Um, and in, anywhere, anywhere in Europe, man, at, basically anywhere. Um, I could go anywhere at this point, given the whole lockdown <laughs> right. that uh, we've been all both, that dude. everyone has been dealing with, but um. No, Argentina was amazing. We went that there. That was awesome. Uh, Love Port- that trip. Portugal, Still have dreams about that trip. Portugal's that always great. Italy's always great. I've been to both countries. Iceland is a gotta, must. Gotta that was there. arguably my probably the greatest trip? trip that I've ever been on. Yeah. And then my bucket lists of what I definitely want to see is uh, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and many more. But those are like my top three that I want to visit. Yeah, the bucket list destinations. For me, where do I like to travel? So I do, I'm not like Rui where I've seen, he's seen a lot of the United States. I I have not. I I really haven't. I probably should. Um, But my, my, where do I like to travel? I go to Italy a lot. I really do. Before this whole COVID thing, I would try and get there once a year, maybe twice a year if I'm lucky. Um, and I would try and mix it up with a different destination in Italy every time. I really like Greece. I go to Greece a lot. I like Croatia, all of those Mediterranean countries. Yep. Um, yeah, I remember you mentioning Dubrovnik is probably Dubrovnik the, is the most beautiful city. It is. It is immaculate. It's gorgeous. You would you would absolutely love it. It's all the whole city's white. Just all white marble. It's gorgeous. It really, really is. And it's the same way that it was for hundreds and hundreds of years. They did a fantastic job with it. Um, but Croatia on a whole is a fantastic country. I would I would go back there in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, I go to Greece a lot. Really, really enjoy Greece. I love the islands. Um, and in terms of where I want to go, what I wanna, really wanted to do in 2021... But I don't think it's going to happen now. I really wanted to go to Japan. Really wanted to go to Japan. Wanted to climb Mount Fuji. Do all that touristy stuff, sure. But that is what I really wanted to be like my my trip for 2021. And I don't think it's going to happen with, yep. with everything happening. So, But Japan's up there. Really want to go to New Zealand as well. That would be an awesome trip. I got to get to Iceland too. Iceland so, is those are my top three right there. Yeah, in Norway. Oh, I want to yes, go to Norway. Norway. Yes, we Norway. wanted to go. We almost, we almost did. Yeah, even um, Eddie, I mean Eddie, Our friend Eddie's, Eddie yeah. yeah, Eddie's been wanting to go to Norway. I went to Iceland with him actually. 
um, and we had a, an amazing time. And he he has the same taste that that I have when it comes. I mean, you have the same taste too. We like, just we like love, to travel. <laughs> we just like to travel. We we're down to eat anything, try anything, hike. You know, do it. We're all into photography too. So long as so, we get fo- good photos, that, yeah, what does some it good matter? photos. That's all that matters, and and a good time. But um, Iceland and and Norway, like the whole like Scandinavian area, but those two countries in particular are the ones I really want to visit. Climb well, I've been tro- to I've been to Iceland, but um, Norway's I I just I want to uh, climb Trolltunga. Yeah, that's tr- what that's the one thing that I want to do. So I want to climb Mount Fuji and and Trolltunga. Those are two things I want to do. Yep. Before. I die. Um, that's on my bucket list. So I hope we answered your question, Farjan. But we o- also we will get to Nepal at some point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would like to go to Kathmandu. That would be pretty cool yep. to say that we've done that. So maybe maybe one day we'll see. So that's that's all that I got, Rui. Was there anything that you wanted to add? I am good, man. All right. So thank you all again for your Twitter questions. Those are always fun. Love the participation. If you guys liked what you heard, please give us a like, a subscribe, a five-star review on wherever you're listening to us. It really helps us out. Also, if you wouldn't mind, follow us on our Twitter page at RCR underscore podcast. We would love to hear from you guys. Give us a shout out. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what we could work on. Maybe you can give us an episode idea. We would love to hear from you guys. And as always, we will see you next time. Good.